beginning of the year, January, around the first, um, had something happen to me while I was playing here one day. It was very real. And about the same time, Bruce uh, mentioned that he was looking for some kind of um, direction, a word for the year, and uh, he felt the Lord was saying, awaken and awakening for our church for the year. Something to pray about, something to pray through. And while I was in here uh, one day, I had a picture that came to mind, and it was so real that I asked uh, Doug if he would drive or paint it or whatever he does for me. He did that, but before I put that up on the screen so I can show it to you, I'm going to read you a verse, a couple of verses actually. It comes out of the beginning of the following letter down. It's Matthew 26, 36 to 46. And the story is about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he brought uh, the disciples and they brought the three of the closest to him even closer, Peter, James, and John. It says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them, and fell on his face, and prayed, and he said, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass to you, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found him sleeping and said to Peter, So you men did not keep watching for the one another. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and praying, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, you will be done. Again he came and found him sleeping, so the eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time. Saying the same thing once more, then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of the sinner. Get up, let's be gone. Behold, the one who betrays me to the Do you want to put that picture up for me? And interesting enough, I felt that the picture, the title of the picture, was Awaken, and he mentioned to me later about awakening. And this is what I saw, and I'd like to explain it as best I can today so that you can get a picture of it. It's also found in Luke 22 as well, if you can that thing. The picture was very, very real. Um, it shows, as I walked up, I'm just going to explain it the way I thought. It just felt like I was in, in the spirit, and, and I, I walked up to Jesus, and you've all seen that picture of me standing on a block. But I saw in the corner of my eye a light over there sitting there. And so I, in my mind, I walked over to it, literally walked over to it, and the little tiny light was the young man in the middle with his rifle. And that was the light. And there were three different people there, and I felt like God said this to me about each one. The person that looks like and appears like he's sleeping isn't God doing so. And it has to do with apathy. That's when we get, we just get, we don't, we're not intentional about our walk with God. We've got other things in the way, lots of things in the way, and so we just become apathetic about our, about our walk. Jesus had asked them to go for one more. The guy with the sandals was working on the program. It's exactly what I thought when I saw the picture in my mind. But it had to do with comfort. What do we strive through in the day? What do we strive through this last week or this last summer? Is it about comfort? Is it all about my comfort? I find myself doing this for Is it about my comfort? That's what that man is doing. The third one, the young one with the iPhone, that had to do with information. Where are we getting our information from when it comes to the truth? CNN, Fox News, the newspaper, somebody, a neighbor, somebody's opinion, or do we go to this? Bruce has said to me a couple of days recently, politics will never fix this country. 
isn't going to happen. So where are we going? What was he looking for in the truth? Matthew 26, 40 says, And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watching for you for one night. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. Fear is willing, but the flesh is weak. I find this to be one of the most difficult things in my Christian life. Being consistent, staying consistent, it's like paddling up rivers. You don't paddle, it's not going to be familiar with you. It's not going to happen. You really have to be intentional to work at it when it comes to praying and taking time to be living. So, in Dave Deering's book, The Disciples of Sermon, which was mentioned by Reverend this morning in page 70, he describes this. And that so happened to come up about two weeks after we had this conversation, which I thought was so amazing. It also concluded. And um, there's a word called hematidrosis. The medical expert probably knows what that is. But that's when you're in so much anger that you actually sweat blood. And I'm thinking about the commitment that Jesus made to you sitting in that chair, you personally, made for you, for you, individually, he did it for all of us as a group. And he's praying to the Father. He said, can you come up with a different answer for this? But he didn't. He says, your will be done. It's like the army that's going around the wall of Jericho. It sounded ridiculous, but it was about obedience. I want you to do this. Do this and let me take care of the rest. The role of the Father was, was the role that Jesus, Jesus wanted to do with the role of the Father was. So he prayed with such emotional stress, knowing what was ahead of him, that he didn't quit. He didn't quit on me. He's not quit on us. He's not quit on you. In spite of us, he's not quit on us. He knew this. He knew this back in the garden the same year that he was going to be. And along with us, he that he was going to die for us. He knew that way ahead of him. But he took that promise and he did. We're going to have the thing that's been mentioned called 33 that starts tomorrow. I encourage you. It's a little encouraging. Brock Madsen said to me recently, if you want to change up something, you've got to do it for about two weeks. Probably the right. This will be 30 days. Take 30 minutes a day. Sit on you. Change it up. Be quiet. Be still. Whatever. Sing. Worship God. Read. Pray. And I think it's important for me as an elder to tell you that when our pastor hears from God and watched him for many years as he prayed in here, his mind for this. It's not just something to do. He hears from, he hears from the Lord. And I mean, Bruce, you do. And he thinks this is what we should be doing. If he thinks that's what we should be doing, we should, we should heed the call. Again, the way of encouragement. Not legalistic. Not, I'm not going there. I don't have more life. I don't have mine. I don't have children chewing my legs around and around and all kinds of, but I don't have that. But if God can provide an opportunity for you to, to do this for three years and encourage you to do it. Jesus remained on mission. He stayed on mission. He completed what God the Father asked him to do, and that's, that's who we can do for the next 30 days. Hi, Zach. He just needed to call me every now and then. Is he talking to you? Keep on. Amen. Are you glad to be here? And so in that mindset, I want to talk today, we've been in this little uh, series, you know, in July when I was not here, we had these RE numbers. I'm actually going to use one that's on the board today. I'm going to be talking about Renew. Um, last week, we, uh, we talked about repent, the beautiful word repent. 
invitation of Jesus to be in right relationship with Him, uh, a change of heart that changes our mind, that changes our attitude, that ultimately changes our actions. Before that, we talked about the importance of remembering what remembering what God said, what He did to you, and uh, those stones of remembrance that the people of Israel would say, remember when God did this, and it helps us in our journey as we walk with Jesus to remember what God did. And so today I want to look at the word renew. Again, that, that, that R-E, that is a prefix, meaning back again, so look back to revisit something to do over to start again. And all through Scripture we have R-E words. And even one of the big ones, which is a tenet doctrine of the faith, redemption, that Jesus redeems us. A life that is lived in sin, we are headed to destruction, and because of the cross, we've been redeemed by Christ Himself. Isn't that awesome? I love that word redemption. But today we're going to talk about renew. The importance is a biblical truth on our journey with Jesus. The reason why um, I felt like what Terry what shared this morning it really ties in today with what I believe God wants to say um, at times when we can get in those places where. We are just kind of going through the motions, and we need to be renewed in the Lord. We need to renew our, our, our commitment to Him in a fresh way. And again, it's easy to just get tired and weary. Um, some people, have, they choose to do this, but later on in life, a married couple, they will, what, what will they do with their vows? They what? Renew, right? And, and, and it's this sense of saying, I, 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 what I said way back then, I meant, and I, and, and I renew my, my, my relationship, my, my, my vows to you, those vows that I made back then to love you, to, to serve you, to honor you. I meant that, and, and I want to renew my vows with you today. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Couples do that. Um, and, and, and so that's in the sense of remembering. Remember when we talked about um, last week in, in Revelation, Jesus is writing these letters to the churches, to the church at Ephesus. He said, go back to your first love. He's saying, remember what you did before. Renew that commitment. Renew your love for me. He said, in those letters of seven churches, there's a few of them. He said, here's what you're doing well, but here's what I have against you. And for them, he said, you are doing some right things, you're, 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 you're making some right decisions, but what's your motivation is what he's saying. And sometimes we can be doing the right things for all the wrong reasons, and we kind of get into uh, just a habit of that's what I'm supposed to do, and I'll just can't keep doing it. He said, remember your first love. Remember that you love Jesus, that he loves you. Stir up, renew the love that you have with Christ. And I think we all need to be reminded of that today to renew the commitment, the love relationship that we have with Christ. Last week I talked about Josiah when Josiah became king. His dad was wicked, his grandfather was wicked. In the history of Israel, there was a lot of wicked kings. Um, his grandfather was one of the most wicked kings in Israel's history, Manasseh. Well, then Josiah comes along, his dad dies very young because of his wickedness, and Josiah becomes king at eight years old. But later on, when he kind of begins to uh, come into his own and he starts understanding, you know, he has Josiah come and they, they, they find the law and it had been hidden, it had been pushed away. And, and I talked about this last week when he began to repent because they, they read the law and he is cut to his heart and he begins to weep saying, man, we have veered off from the truth. You know, God spoke this and he's given us these parameters and this guidelines to live and we have been going our own way and he is struck in his heart saying, God, forgive us when they read the law. That was 2 Kings 22. And then in 2 Kings 23, what does he do? He gets all the people together and he renews the covenant with God. And he's basically saying, everybody come, small, great, rich, poor, doesn't matter. Everyone come in, everyone gather. Today we're going to renew our commitment to God. We're going to renew our relationship with God. We're going to admit to Him that we have veered off and gone our own way. We're going to gather together. We're going to renew this commitment. And they read the law among the people. And it was a day, somewhat of weeping, but it was a day of celebration going, God is the Lord. And we renew that relationship with Him. And so this word renew is to make new or to make better. The idea there is renovation. How many fixer-upper fans do we have here? Fixer-upper, Chip and Joanna. 
you know, there's a couple, if you're not, if you're not familiar with that show, um, HGTV, it's a couple from Waco, Texas, and what they try to do is they take a couple that's interested in buying a new house and they talk them into, instead of just buying a brand new house, get a picture of it and we'll help you, you know, renovate it, we'll help you, and, and, and they do some amazing things. We don't watch the show, they take these places that kind of, some of them are pretty dumpy, and you're like, what can they do with this place? And the final result is amazing. I mean, everybody, you know, you hear people talking about this, you know, um, he's kind of the contractor ship and she is the decorator and, 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 and they work together and they do some amazing things with these homes. And so they, they take, they, they're not doing a new home, they're taking this home that already exists and they are, they, they, they are making it better. It's a renovation to make new of the new, renewing it, but even better. But so there's some things that have to go into renovating a home, if you've ever been involved with that. Um, I'm not so much great on the details part, but I'm great at demo. Any demo fans here? You can just, just smash things. I mean, I love that. Just give me a sledgehammer and move out of my way. I'm really good at demo. But there's a lot of things that have to happen. You have to, it, it seems chaotic, right? Demo, it seems like, oh no, what are we going to do? May, did we really need that wall? I'm not sure. Well, not anymore because it's on. Um, if you have to go in and you have to do, there has to be some removal of things so that we can make new again. And there's so many spiritual things tied to that. Is to let God in. A lot of us, we, we want God in our lives, but we want, there's areas we want Him to stay out of. That room is just fine. Leave that room alone. And He's got this light and He says, I want to come in and I want to demolish some things. And I want to remove some things, some hardness, some bitterness, some unforgiveness. Some, like Terry said this morning, when, when we have our own version of the truth and the different things that are in our hearts. And He says, I want to come in there. I want to take full ownership because what happens is, picture they come, they take, the first thing is they take complete control over this home. The owners of the home are away. You guys are not here right now. Do you trust me? Do you trust us that we're going to come in and we have your best interests in mind? And most of the time, those people, and I think all the time with them, people come in, they're in tears at the final results, and this is beyond what I could imagine. And I think what a picture of God. You see, Jesus, in his idea of Christianity, no matter what you hear in culture, Christianity is a complete and total unconditional surrender to him. It will only be understood that way. He wants complete and total control of your life. Not a part, not a room. And he says, he comes in, and he's smiling, and he says, I got this question, and I want to clear some things out. But you will be amazed if you let me renew you and give you the life that you were meant to live. It doesn't look like the same place, right? We need to be renewed. There's some things you cannot renew. Thank God that doesn't mean us. Um, when I was in high school, I had a friend of mine give me some high-top green Chuck Taylor tennis shoes. Any Chuck Taylor fans? Chuck, the Converse Chuck Taylor? You know what I'm talking about. It's like the old, some of you guys are talking about Ken, Long, uh, Ken uh, what's your last name? Swanson, thank you, the basketball. Um, it was the old Boston Celtics green. Love these shoes. My friend, they didn't fit him right, so he said, do you want these shoes? And he said, yes, I do. He gave them to me. It was an amazing gift. It didn't fit him right. And so I wore these things all the time. To the point where they could have been thrown away. And I kept wearing them. You know what I'm talking about? I would take them off and my friends would go, please put those back on. Anybody have any clothing like that? They were my favorite pair of shoes for the longest time. I mean, I loved these shoes. They were, they were at the time, those Chuck Taylors were making a comeback. You know, they, used to, they used to have them back in the 50s, and they played with it. But then in the 80s, they were making another comeback. And so, you know, the people that wear them now, the 80s, we were the ones that really started that trend back. So, sorry. Um, 
But I love these shoes, and, 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 and people are like, oh man, I love your shoes. And I, I wore these things into the ground. I mean, I, I, to the point where I hate it. Almost throwing them away was, was just so depressing. And finally, one day, you know, they were tattered and torn because, you know, you, you take them off, like, you know, and then cross the house, and my mom's like, you just took those shoes off, didn't you? Um, there's certain things that can't be, you know, you got that favorite pair of jeans or favorite shirt, and, you know, I mean, you might be sitting there, and you're like, you're sitting in the well, you, you need to get rid of that. It's like, are you still wearing those? Please throw them away. The hole is getting bigger, and it's throwing more things, and uh, you need to throw those things away. It's my most comfortable, yes, but... Throw them away. It was all a favor. Uh, green cup too. Some things we cannot remove. But you know, it's interesting that sometimes we deal with our spiritual lives. We, 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 we just wear our spiritual lives down and down and down without being renewed. And we can be somewhat like that, those old sneakers or those old, old clothing and, and, and just get to a point where it cannot be renewed. You feel like it's just a throwaway. And God is saying, I don't want to just try to keep that going, that old one out. I want to make something new. I want to renew something in your life. Love those tennis shoes. Feel it for a gift, five, ten and a half, Chuck Taylor. No, That's a lot like our spiritual life. Keep on going. Forget why we're doing what we're doing. We've left our first love. We get spiritually tired, inconsistent in our relationship with God, exhausted, beaten up, empty, dry. And then our tendency is that we run to the wrong things for renewal. We run to the wrong things thinking that that is going to be our source. We look to a vacation. I'm not saying it's wrong to take a vacation, but how many of you here, you take a vacation, you get back, and you need a vacation? You know what I'm talking about? You need to just rest. I mean, you're going, we, we went to Tennessee, and it's a great thing, and you get to visit family, but you're seeing people, you're staying up way too late, and it's always that, you know, that running joke, we need to go to bed, and then 2 o'clock in the morning, you really need to go to bed, you know, and you wake up the next morning, and because, you know, now you have little boys, and, you know, they, they, don't, they don't think, hey, guys, let's sleep until 10, and we'll all be rested up. You know, they're, they're getting up at their normal time, and, and you got to get and you're just exhausted. You get back, and you're like, I need a vacation from my vacation, right? But we can't look to vacation to be that source of renewal. Yes, there's a certain element that we rest, and we take time to rest to get that Sabbath is biblical. But sometimes we look to these things. We escape to media. We escape to food. We escape to work. We escape to our toys. We escape to our hobbies. Again, not that these things are wrong, but when they take the place of the place of true authentic renewal, they become idols. And they become empty. They become empty places to find renewal. Because after those times are over, the tiredness, the spiritual dryness doesn't end. And so the source for authentic renewal, let's look at that. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17, this is, the, yes, go back, that you were right. It's kind of the source of authentic renewal. This means that anyone who what? Anyone who what? Help me. I'm going to get you to work with you this morning. Nobody's going to be falling asleep on me. Anyone who belongs, belongs, let's just stop right there. That word is what it means. In the Greek, it is what it is. It is what it means. Belongs means ownership. Okay. If you have something that is yours, you pay for whatever, it belongs to you. There is a sense of ownership. What Paul is saying, this means that anyone who gives ownership to Christ, right? This idea, this is, this is, a, this is a passage of salvation. This is a passage of giving, giving my life to Christ. But again, it's not just Christian in name only. But this is one who gives ownership I give ownership. I'm, I'm no longer the owner of my life. I give ownership to Christ. Those who belong to Christ, they have become a new person. And that's the authentic source of renewal. Sometimes what we need to do is we need to re-give ownership back to Christ because as we're walking along, it's easy for us to take control and take ownership back in areas. 
And then we'll be doing good a little while, and then we'll take ownership again. And, and, and this idea of becoming a new person in Christ, this process of becoming a new person, because the old life is gone, a new life has begun. This, this new life in Jesus, that's what our goal should be, is becoming more and more like Him. But it takes us sometimes saying, Lord, today I give you ownership. I, I want to belong to you. I want you to be the owner and not me. That spiritual renovation, letting Him take ownership. He's making us better. Again, same person, just like that same house, but it's as God intended you to be. Do you belong to Christ? Are you His? He makes us new and He wants to be the source to renew us as we are on our journey. When we hit seasons of dryness, because we will, when we hit seasons of tiredness, of pain, He must be our source, the source of ownership, the source of salvation, the source of renewal. And then, with Jesus, when we do that, we can say, and this is not up on the screen, but in Romans 8, Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly you are wasting away. And this reality is that our bodies get old, they waste away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. That's why we can have outward issues, but our heart is renewed. You meet people and they may go through some hard situations. It's like, and I mention him a lot, but Nick Boyacic, you guys remember, he's born without arms and legs. And, and when he goes around the world and people let him speak, because he gets audiences that we can't, because people wonder why in the world he's so joyful. And he gets to share why he's so joyful. It's because of Christ in him. And although outwardly he's got some huge challenges, people wonder, what is it about you? And he's being renewed day by day. Jesus wants to renew our spirits, our minds, our hearts. He's going to point us back to that relationship with Christ, to Himself. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ, He's inviting you to that place where He is the one who can make you new. He must be our source. Look at these couple of scriptures. Go to the next slide. Colossians 3.10. It's a new living translation. Put on your new nature and be what? Help me. Renew. Somebody's quick on the draw. Put on your new nature and be renewed. Put on your new nature as you learn to know your Creator and what? Become like Him. Isn't you see that? As you learn to know your Creator, that, this is how we are renewed. It's to know. The word know is relational intimacy. It's not to know about Him. It's not to have facts about who Christ is and just have things memorized about Him. It is to know Him. That is what true relationship is all about, whether it's a spouse or it's your children or it's a friend. It's that idea that you truly know them. You're getting to know them. And when we get to know Him, we become like Him. And the word to put on, it is to sink into clothing or to get Dress. It's a purposeful and intentional act. And then look at Romans 13 from the message. It says, get out of bed and get dressed. And to tie that on with that, we tie that to, to Colossians 3 is, is get out of bed and get dressed. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. Clothe yourself. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. But be in Christ. That idea of being in Christ. Don't, don't loiter and linger waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourself in Christ and be up and about. It's an intentional act. The analogy, and, and, and there's several places that Paul uses that, the analogy of, of getting dressed, the putting on clothing as, uh, as it pertains to our relationship with Christ, putting on Christ. It's, it's automatic when you get out of bed, right? When you get dressed and you're getting dressed for the day, you don't have to think about it, do you? That's just one of those things that we do, Right? You might have a struggle of what to wear at times in the natural, but you don't forget to wear it. You don't walk out of your house unless you have one of those dreams. You ever have those dreams where you like you forgot to put your clothing and you're out somewhere and you're like, oh my goodness. It's a horrifying dream. I'm so glad to wake up from those dreams. Man, you just panic you. But in the natural, you don't forget. You don't, if that's the way you're occurring, you have other issues. You've got some problems, okay? I mean, you probably need to have that seat. Um, but you don't just walk out of the house and I forgot to get dressed again. People will remind you if you do, uh, just by looking at you. 
you know, back in, yeah, back in Adam and Eve, you know, they were naked and unashamed, and, uh, but, you know, when sin was just, you know, have, but with, clothing's been around a long time, people. So, cover yourselves up. We don't get out of bed and go, no, what was it? Oh, yeah, I'm clothes. I almost forgot again. You're almost walking out of the house on clothes. That's what, what Paul is getting at here. That's kind of what, to get that in your mind. He said, as automatic as it is, as automatic as it is when you are about to get ready or go about your day or go to work or whatever you have to do, you, you don't think about it. Now, again, you might have to think about what to wear, but you don't think about it. You are clothing yourself. He said, let it be that natural to you that you get up and you're clothing yourself with the Lord Jesus. God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I need you to be in my heart today. I need, to, I need you to know that I definitely need you. I don't want to walk out of the house without you today. Putting on Jesus is normal as getting dressed. Renew me today. I don't want to go on my own strength today. And so as Jesus is our source of relationship and renewal, let's look at a couple things that He does. Number one, God will renew your spirit. God will renew your spirit. Most of you know the story of David and Bathsheba. Um, we're going to get into that passage in just a moment. This is the backstory. David has one of the biggest failures that we can read in Scripture. David, who is a man after God's own heart, God said that about David. He said, he's a man after my own heart. He's picked as king because he is out tending his sheep, and he's a, he's a young man that just, when he's, when he's young, when he's in a, a teenager, he's selected to be king, um, and God sees him. He's a, he's a young man that just finds himself alone with God, and worshiping God, singing songs to God. And he's just faithful to his father's house. He's taking care of his father's sheep. He's a faithful, God-loving young man. And he had a major failure. One of the biggest ones that we can see in Scripture. It's interesting, before he has the affair with Bathsheba, this married woman, it says something before that. It says this, and it starts out, and it's not up on your screen. It says, at the times... And at the time when kings were to be out at war, David stayed home. That's, that's a, that is a gripping sentence. When, at the time when kings should be out to war, David stayed home. David was a warrior. He was a warring king. He loved God. He was a tender warrior. He had a tenderness toward God. But he was a warrior. And when he was supposed to be out with his men, he was supposed to be out in battle. He stayed home. And so blowing it with Bathsheba didn't just wake up one day and blow it. He stayed behind. When we stop fighting the fight and we start getting spiritually inconsistent and we start getting lazy and we, we forget to stop, uh, start fighting the fight that is before us because we are told to fight the fight of faith. This is, not a, this is not a battle against flesh and blood. This is a battle that we will face every day for, for our hearts, that we battle spiritual things when we stop fighting the fight. And we get inconsistent, we get lazy, and we get comfortable. We all those things that, that Carrie mentioned, and we run to the wrong things. We are going to get set up for the enemy to take us off. And so he's all back at home. He should be off at war leading his men. And one day he comes out on the balcony and he notices Bathsheba down and he knew who she was. It's interesting, the, 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 the story there, because one of his mighty men, David had 30 mighty men that surrounded him that were his closest men. These guys would do anything for David. They would, they would fight any battle for him. They would do anything he says. One of those men, one of his closest companions was Uriah. Bathsheba was Uriah's wife. And so he looks at her, sees her bathing, Biblical. I'm not trying to be weird. And he has these lustful things that happen. He, first of all, asks his servant, he goes, who is that? He knew who he was. There's this idea, I think God is trying to give him mercy tones, and he was not listening. And the, and the servant says this, because the servant doesn't want to cross him, because the servant could die crossing the king. But the servant very, very tactfully says, oh, that is Bathsheba. She's the wife of Uriah the Hittite. You know that guy, your friend. So we know the story, and David has an affair, brings Uriah from the front of the battle. Uriah's out fighting. 
he's wanting to try to cover his tracks. And he says, oh, come on, you've been such a good friend to me. Um, why don't you take a little vacation and, and you know, spend some time with your wife? And, um, because at this point, Bathsheba is pregnant, and he's trying to cover his tracks. And then Uriah has great honor. He sleeps out at the gate. He said, I can't do it while my men are fighting. I can't. If my men can't take a vacation, I'm not going to. So I'll, I'll stay out here because you want me to come home, but I can't go and spend time with my wife. And so he slept at the gate. Second night, he sleeps at the gate. And David realizes this man is a man of honor. And so David then sends a letter to Joab, who is the commander of the armies, and says, Send Uriah into the front in the heat of the battle, and when it's at its hottest point, have all the men withdraw from him and leave him alone. And guess who gets that letter to to give to Joab? He gives it to Uriah because he knows he's honorable and he won't read it. Isn't that amazing? Heart wrenching. Every time I read this story, it breaks my heart. That's David, though. Did that, did that, did that remove David from God's plan? No. And we have this failure for us in Scripture to encourage us today that although you may have made some bad decisions, although you may be broken down somewhat in your heart, and David was broken down after all this went down and the prophet came and confronted him, and then he prays this prayer. This is a part of the prayer he prays. And David and God hears his prayer and forgives him and actually reestablishes his place. He says, have mercy on me, O God. And this is that place of repentance. He didn't try to make excuses for it. He didn't say, yeah, I blew it, but you know, I got this issue and that issue, and this is why I did this, and just trying to justify He says, have mercy on, on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from sin. You know, the only person that can forgive you and wash you of sin is, is Jesus Christ. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you, and you only have I sinned and done what is evil and such. You're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. God is a judge. And I want you to hear that. Let's go back, please. Against you and you only have so You're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. God is a judge. And I've said this before, but we will stand before Him and we will give an account for Him, to Him. And David understands you are right and you are justified and you are the judge and there is no other. God, forgive me. In verse 10, he says the next one. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and what? Say it again. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You hear what he's saying? He said, God, I've broken the relationship with you. That was the biggest thing that was on David's heart. David was a man that knew he was known that he loved God with all his heart. Now, again, this is before Jesus came. And so David understood a level without Christ. He did understand a level of relational intimacy with God. And, he, and he, what he was doing is saying, oh, he wasn't saying, oh, God, I wish I wouldn't have got caught. This is horrible. I hate these consequences. And this is just really bad that I'm getting grounded by God right now. He's saying, God in heaven, I have broken relationship with you because you love me. And it's all about relationship, and I, my heart is broken, my heart is sick, and I have broken relationship with you. Give me a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Make me new again. It's going to renovate my heart, God. I'm dark, and I see what I did, and it was bad. He doesn't try to minimize the sin. I have done some horrible things. God, I need a renovation of my heart. Renew a steadfast spirit. The word steadfast means to be firm. It means to be stable. It means to be grounded. When you step into Christ, He makes your faith firm, your walk stable, and your belief grounded. David cried out, and said, God created me a clean heart. I've committed adultery. I've committed murder. Renew a steadfast spirit. What he's is renew a stable grounded heart in me. I want to be firm in my relationship with you. And so God responded and He renewed His life in the middle of brokenness. So today, again, some of you, maybe you're going through pain, maybe you're going through some brokenness, maybe you, maybe it's your own sin, or maybe simply it's just some brokenness in the world that you are have been a part of. 
again, maybe it's the brokenness of your own heart and decisions that you've made. You see maybe hurt or suffering, and it's caused you to bring in a season of maybe hopelessness. We have this story because what God did in David, He can do in you. And He can do in me. By the power of His Holy Spirit. Interestingly enough, it's not up on your screen. This is Psalm 51. In Psalm 57, six songs later, David says this. He writes this. He said, My heart is steadfast. Isn't that cool? My heart is steadfast. Because he, he said, Renew a right spirit. Renew a steadfast spirit. And then in six chapters, six songs later, he said, My heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. You see what happened? The relationship has been renewed. The renovation has taken place in his heart. And then he says, I know what God did for me. Renew my, my heart is steadfast. My heart is grounded. My heart is in you. I will sing and make music again. God can do that for us as well. He can renew a steadfast spirit. He can make us more grounded and firm than we've ever been because our confidence is in Christ. And the renewal, again, the renewal happens in a broken state. It's the renovation. That's the demolition. When God comes in, we let him like David. Now, I'm not going to justify it. I've blown it. I've sinned against you. Man, that is letting God come in with the sledgehammer, Right? That is letting him come in and, and you go, I'm, I, I want to belong to you. I give ownership again to you. I, I give you full access to this house. Just like, you know, on that show, they give Chip and Joanna full access to the house. You bought the house, where you guys go, and you have full access to the house. And that place is saying, I'm not going to justify, I'm not going to minimize the renewal begins to a place of brokenness, saying, God, come in and do the demo of my heart and my life. I give you complete and total access. I give you complete, I surrender completely and unconditionally. And he comes in and he says, you will be blown away at the end result because now I can make you new and I can renovate you. Tearing out the old to make room for the new, allow God to work in you. Renewal starts internally with us. Notice what David said. He said, God, renew my heart. Change me. Give me patience. We might say, God, break me. Change me. Change me on the inside. Renovation begins on the inside of us. Can't happen when we deflect. God, please change my circumstances. God, I'm really sorry I got caught. God, change those other people around me. If they would just do this and that, then I would... No, it begins with us internally allowing God. So God will renew our spirit. But next, next and I'm going to move through here, I'm closing. God will renew our strength. If you can't see the word strength, God will renew our strength. One of my favorite passages is Isaiah 40. I'm going to read that in a minute. So why is it important? Our strength is our resolve to accomplish what is in front of us, right? Spiritual strength. We're given spiritual strength to be able to do what God has called us to do. When we're weak, we don't feel like doing anything, do we? Have you ever been really sick and you had to do something and you just—it was just—you did not feel like doing it? I know I need to do this, or you're injured and you're just done, right? You cannot accomplish what's in front of you. When we first moved to Montevideo. Um, our whole family got strep throat. And uh, the Air Force, they, you know, they got a contractor to move us up. And some people were very kind. I mean, you guys that were around, and people said, do you need help moving in? I'm like, no, the Air Force is going to move us in. They're gonna, you know, they, they have a moving company, and they, they move us in. And so I said, no, don't need any help. And so the day of, I have a fever of 103, and one guy shows up. No offense to you older guys, but he was an older guy, and he didn't look like he could lift much. Well, he comes in and he says, can you help me with the big stuff? And I'm laying on the couch. I have a 103-degree fever. And I tell you, it, there was nothing in me. I thought there was going to be this crew. And I'm like, you know, I thought that you guys were supposed to move us in. He said, yeah, but I save money if I don't hire a crew. And I'm like, what are you doing with me? I think I'm being hired on the crew here. That'll be $5,000. Oh, no, I didn't do that. 
And so, literally, he would get something heavy, and I would have to help him, and I would get it in, and there was just that weakness. I would sit it down, and then I would just fall on the couch. And my sweet and precious wife, she said, I wouldn't help him, I would let him do it all. And I'm like, he's going to bang holes in the wall, and she goes, well, you know, then the government will have to fix it. But there was nothing in me that, that feeling of weakness, where you just feel like you can't lift anything. And this is a spiritual lesson, too, when we're trying to accomplish that spiritual strength and we're told of our strength in the Bible, that, 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 we, that, that we are given strength in the Lord. David talks about my strength is in the Lord. Because if we don't have spiritual strength, it is hard for us to accomplish that which is in front of us. And we get weak or drained again, or we're running to the wrong things. There's no joy in the work ahead because you know, we're created to work. We're created to work in the kingdom, to do, to go. Uh, uh, Jesus said, work while it's still day because nice coming where you won't be able to work. We are created to work and bring in the harvest field and do what God has called us to do. But when we have no joy in it, we're just going through the motions and this is what I'm supposed to do. It is very, very hard. So God wants to re- renew our faith. How does He do it? Isaiah 40, let's look at that. Do you, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. Thankfully, God doesn't get tired. His understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. So, even when you're trying to rely on your, when you're young, remember when you're like 25 and you can do anything. It's not too long that you're not 25 and you can't do anything. He said, even when you're young, you can't just rely on just pure willpower. You need some supernatural stuff. And then here's the key. There's the next slide. The key to renew streams. But those who hope in the Lord will what? Those who hope in the Lord. And some passage text that word hope is wait on. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isn't that a great promise? We can have them as we walk with the Lord. That's not an empty promise. That love, that's a reminder of who God is. He's the everlasting God. He's the Creator. He doesn't get weary or tired. He gives strength to the weary to help us not stumble and fall. Is it possible to run the race with this promise? Evidently it is. Because in the context here, the Israelites were actually, they were getting ready to enter in a long period. Years upon years upon years of some of the most difficult, difficult troubles and trials that they would ever face. And Isaiah wrote this. God wanted them to understand that in spite of their upcoming circumstances, in spite of the hard times that would be coming, that He could still renew their strength. They could soar when others would crash. They would run when others would be quitting the race. And the idea of running the race that is before us is sometimes it feels like the easiest thing to do would just be quit. Stop. So if you can run and not grow weary, you can walk and not faint, if you will find your source of strength in the Lord. And so the kid, there's a condition though. This is a conventional promise because you have to put your hope in who? Those who put their hope in the Lord will renew their strength. If your hope is in anything else, you won't find it. Now, again, the hope, that, that, that hope in means to wait, it means to linger, it means to look for. I will look for my strength in the Lord. I will wait for the strength of the Lord. God wants to renew us. He wants us to be able to run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. But the relationship with Christ, it goes back like David said, my relationship with Christ is the most important thing in my life. And so the question is, is this, if strength comes from hope in the Lord, what is your hope in today? Where do you put your hope? If it's anything but Jesus, weariness, fainting, giving up, crashing, all of those Ideas are going to happen. So how about you today? Do you need to be renewed? Are you spiritually tired? Are you dry? Are you exhausted? Inconsistent? Looking for renewal all in the wrong places? God is merciful just like He was with David. 
when we come to Him with honesty, <clears throat> transparency, humility, Lord, I desperately need You. I've looked in the wrong places. I'm looking for the wrong things for renewal. I need You desperately. And in that place of saying, God, You have total access. That renovation of the heart, renewal, renovate. I will let you in and give you all access to my life. Every area, there's not going to be a room off limits. There's not going to be a closet where I hide stuff. I'm going to give you full access so that you can renovate. And guess what? When we allow the Lord to be our source, when we allow Him to be the one who gives us strength and renews our soul, renews our spirit, renews our strength in Him, just like those people that see that finished house, we will be blown away at what God can do. The life you were meant to live. And they see this and they say, oh my goodness. It's the same house, but whoa, look what you did. That's the work God wants to do in us. We stand with him. <clears throat> what is God speaking to your heart today? I encourage you to be obedient to that. As we dismiss, if you would like prayer for anything, I want to invite you up and you can just come up there and sit in one of the chairs and I'm asking of our leaders to come up and if you see folks coming up here, come up and be willing to pray for them. And so if you'd like prayer for the Lord speaking you and you want somebody to pray for you, please do that. But even as you go today, if you, if you leave, I'm asking you, what is God speaking to your heart today? What is he saying through this message? Do you need to renew your relationship with the Lord? Do you need to give him access today? Lord, we love you. We ask for Jesus that you would touch our hearts and you would strengthen us here, strengthen our souls. God, we want to be renewed by you and you alone. And Lord, I pray God for each of us. I encourage you in the quietness of your own heart to make that renewed covenant with the Lord. Lord, I, I give you my heart. I want to go back into relationship. I want to remember that I love you and you love me. I want to do things for the right reasons. I want to give you total access. I want you to renovate my heart and I want to walk new before you. I want to be able to run the race and not grow weary. I want to be able to walk in this race and not faint. I want to be able to soar like the eagle when everyone else may be crashing and burning where I want to keep my eyes on you. So, Lord, will you come today? Will you touch our hearts? And God, will we, as a people, individually, will we be obedient to what you're saying? That, and my encouragement is, is what is God saying to you? What is He putting His hand on? He's asking you to obey that. And you know what it is for you. You know if you've been placing your hope in the wrong things and you've been looking for renewal in the wrong places, you know. Nobody has to point that out. You know what God is saying. And He's simply saying, obey me. Come before me and renew your relationship with me. Lord, we love you and we honor you. Be with us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, wonderful week ahead. If you like